Coming up, I'm going to reveal the pathetic reason why nice guys finish first in the office. And then, why is trust evaporating from the American workplace? I'm going to tell you and what you can do about it next. Helping you win in your work life so that you win in your life. This is the Ken Coleman Show. I'm Ken. So, I've been diving into some research lately, and, uh, you know, there's an old colloquialism out there, you know. Uh, Nice guys never finish first, you know. Like, the jerk always wins. And I'm not going to get into this part of the data today. But there is a substantial amount of data that would say that jerks do get promoted. Uh, jerks do get into management positions more. Jerk being defined by they're all about themselves, all about winning, all about getting promoted. And and so essentially they win the game because they are focused on their promotion when other people aren't. Nothing really earth-shattering there. We're not going to get into that side of it. But as I was digging into the research of who wins and how do they win, and I'm, I'm fascinated by this topic because I want you to win in your work life. It's pretty fascinating that nice guys actually do finish first a lot of the time, but it's not the nice that you associate with that word. It's the fake nice. Now, there was a show when I was growing up that was made well before I was born, but it was very popular still. It was called Leave It to Beaver. And Leave It to Beaver... Uh, was based on the life of a young man whose nickname was Beaver, and he had an older brother named Wally. And Wally had a pal, uh, presumably a best pal, who was always hanging around the house, the Cleaver's house. This was this was Beaver Cleaver. That was his name. And so uh, Wally had a friend over all the time, and his name was Eddie Haskell. And Eddie Haskell was... A nice guy. But nobody really liked Eddie. Do you know why nobody liked Eddie? Because Eddie was known and probably was the first character in the history of American television who embodied the butt kisser. Eddie was a butt kisser. He came into the house He was overly flattery kind of guy. He was just always flattering Beaver and Wally's parents. And you knew it. And the character overplayed it for the purposes of, I mean, you have to understand this, this show was probably made in the 50s or 60s, so there weren't really a lot of bad guys, certainly in the early American sitcom, but But he was the bad guy. Eddie Haskell was the bad guy because he was the butt kisser. You didn't believe that his niceness was authentic. Enter Jeffrey Pfeffer, who is a Stanford School of Business professor. Based on research, this is what he says. Managing what your boss thinks of you is far more important than actual hard work. Is that really shocking to anybody listening to me? But it does make you a little angry, doesn't it? It ought to. It ought to stir you up. So the takeaway here is good impressions get better reviews 
than good work without good impressions. Now, let me explain that. So you can take somebody, and they don't really do good work. They're hit and miss. You wouldn't rate them as their teammate. Probably their leader wouldn't rate them as somebody who does a lot of good work. But they managed to butt-kiss their way into flattery and making their boss feel really good about them. They say the right thing. They do the right thing only as it relates to creating a positive impression or experience with the boss. As soon as the boss leaves the room, totally different person. Come on. I mean, we experienced this person in, in school, and now we experience these people in the workplace. So the idea here is that person is going to get better reviews than the person who does a good job. They show up on time. They put in good effort. They put in good results, but they don't play the butt-kissing game. They're not jerks necessarily at all. In fact, they aren't. They do good work. Maybe they stay to themselves a little bit. Maybe they don't hang out with the big group and they're not trying to be life of the party. They just kind of go about their business. They do a good job. Or maybe they just don't get involved in politics at all and they just aren't butt-kissing. They show up in the meeting with the boss. They interact with the boss like a natural, mature human being. But they don't put in the extra little flowery stuff. So researching shows that uh, excuse me, research shows that butt-kissing works even when the boss knows it's butt-kissing. Now, that ought to really upset you. So the boss knows that they are having their butt kissed at the moment, and they go, I know this is fake. I know this isn't real. But I prefer it to the person who doesn't acknowledge my authority. That's what's going on, folks. How is this possible? I mean, I would, I would say that to you again. The research shows that even when the boss knows you're kissing their butt, they still prefer it. This speaks to the depravity of the human spirit where we love power. I am exalted. I mean, I'm just telling you. that. I, by the way, I'm not above that. I'm not above it. I mean, I'll give you another example. Uh, how this is true. Ask someone their opinion and watch them open up. You ever watch these hilarious, started out with Jay Leno and Jay Walking and Kimmel does it. I've done it. I've gone out in the streets of Nashville. You ask somebody their opinion, they light up. So here's the deal. This is the sad lesson about the American workplace. This is what Pfeffer says. If you keep your boss happy, performance doesn't matter that much. But if you upset them, Performance won't save you. Did you hear that? Now, I am not trying to ruin your day. I'm trying to wake you up. Did you hear that? This is where we stand. This is why nice guys pathetically can finish first because they're the fake nice. They're butt kissers. And that's what we ought to call them. Can't say that anymore, though. I can. I've said it how many times? We ought to have a butt kisser counter for this segment. Because that's what it needs to be called. Because it's fake. If you keep your boss happy, performance doesn't matter that much. But if you don't keep your boss happy, performance won't save you. So what's the solution? Why do I share all of this? Folks, I don't have to like it. But it's reality. Let me put it this way. 
You have to turn in good work and you must make a good connection with your leader. That's what the research tells me. Because people are winning in the office. You are being beaten out in the workplace by butt kissers who aren't doing good work, but they're making a good connection. As fake as it is, it's a fact. So it's not fair or it's fun, but this is a fact. You must do good work and you must make a good connection. So what's the what's the what's the deal? Be a good worker and be a good politician. Get out there and kiss baby, shake hands. You just got to. It's what gets people elected. It's probably what's going to get you promoted. Those are the facts. Hey, if you're enjoying the show and you're watching this via YouTube, will you help us? You can do that by liking the video that you're watching, subscribing to our channel, and then sharing with somebody that you think will be uh, uh, entertained, maybe, or uh, provoked. Uh, I don't care. Uh, share it, share it, share it. And if you're listening via your favorite podcast app, will you give us a follow, a five-star review, and share as well? All right. So uh, I, I, I like to inform you folks uh, so that you... You know what's happening in the world. And um, so here are several stories that you need to be aware of. All right, so we're going to rapid fire. I'm going to cover three issues here in the world of work. And and this is, again, designed to make sure that you are equipped to understand what's happening and what do you do about it, okay? So here's another story. Now, this is coming from Australia, okay? Headline from the New York Post. A major insurance company used keystroke technology on an employee's work laptop to test whether she was working her designated hours. The Fair Work Commission has rejected an unfair dismissal application brought by uh, former Insurance Australia Group consultant Susie Checo, finding she was, in fact, fired for a valid reason of misconduct. Now, uh, previously on this show, I have gone after these type of policies from corporations because to me, it's nannyism. It's nannyship, not leadership. Okay? More on that in a moment. In this case, I think this is viable, and I'll explain. So, Checo was fired on February 20th for missing deadlines and meetings, being absent and uncontactable, and failing to complete a task. So, they began a formal review, kind of saying, hey, we're putting you on notice. You're in a season of probation. I'm using my language here to describe what happened. And so then she was fired after they gave her that kind of notice. And then a month after that, she hits them with a claim saying this was a premeditated plan to remove her and she was targeted due to mental health issues. But she received a formal warning uh, in November of 2022. She was fired on February 20th. So again, this is very by-the-book stuff here. Uh, This is actually the way to handle this by the company, did it well. She was subjected to a detailed review of her activity, which analyzed the number of times she physically pressed her keyboard, and they looked at this over 49 working days, and they found that she did not do the work 
uh, for the hour she was required to on 44 days, started late on 47 days, and finished early on 29 days, and performed zero hours of work on four days. Okay? So this was done properly. Uh, This is a situation where we have reason to believe, based on output results, that you aren't doing your job. We're going to put a formal review on you. And then to monitor your work in that situation, I think it's above board. What I don't like is notifying someone that they may be under review and then doing that behind their back. And I, I don't believe this is behind their back when they're going, look, you are we are putting you under review. We are looking at your situation and you should be on notice. To me, I think that's fair. I think that's fair for a company to go, you're on notice because you should be able to go, I better freaking do my job because they're reviewing me. See, I, I, that, that to me is fair. Uh, now, let's move into the type of monitoring that I don't like. Yahoo.com article. Citigroup in the UK has said they're going to start monitoring employees' office attendance uh, starting this week. Citigroup recently informed its UK workers it will start monitoring office attendance data specifically on employees who are taking advantage of hybrid work and repeatedly avoiding coming into the office without specified and approved reasons. Okay. Now, this is because Citigroup is saying we want you back in the office a minimum of three days a week. So they fully outlined to people this is what hybrid work looks like. So they said one swipe per person per day per location will be captured. And the focus of the reports will be employees with consistent office absences. So they're going to start monitoring the fobs, if you will, of people who they are saying you aren't coming in. Now, here's my problem with this. Why do you have to monitor the fobs, the entries into the office, one swipe per day? Why do you have to monitor that? If we have a healthy culture, a leadership culture, then shouldn't multiple employees, their teammates, and their leader be able to verify that they've come in three days that week? Now, and this is this is I'm going somewhere with this. Shouldn't we know? Shouldn't they know that we know without having to monitor the electronic entry? Here's my point. It's an unnecessary step. And what it allows for is the leader to rely on the swipe and not rely on the interaction. That's why I don't like it. In this case, I don't like this. I think it allows a leader to be lazy. I think it allows a leader to be disconnected. Because again, why should I need to know if they entered the building? If we as a company, Citigroup, are requiring people to come in three days a week, their teammates should be in three days a week. And even if they're offset days, the leader should know from evidence of participation, not evidence of entering the building. This is an extreme example. But if you're just monitoring the swipe of coming in the building, they could swipe, come in, walk around the building, and, and, and you know, leave their fob, go somewhere else, 
not do any work at all if you don't know they're there and leave later in the day. If And again, I'm making an extreme example out of this. But that's possible if their leader isn't there, if they aren't interacting with teammates. I could go to another floor, sip coffee all day long, watch Netflix, and then fob back out. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Now, let's come back to this. I'll come back to this in a moment. Third article. The missing ingredient to achieving peak workplace productivity is trust. This is from an MSN article that cites a new research, uh, uh, excuse me, new research from uh, Institute for Corporate Productivity. And they find that organizations with higher levels of trust between workers and leadership have greater productivity. Duh. Employees at high-performance companies were 11 times more likely to say they had senior leaders and managers who trusted them to do their jobs. In contrast, just 2% of respondents from low-performing organizations strongly agreed that their senior leaders trust employees. Again, very consistent. So what has caused a lot of the eroding, or as I let off today's show, the evaporating trust? The research shows that mass layoffs, dispersed work, that would be the, the, the hybrid model, uh, the remote work, and then people being laid off so that they can hire contractors. All of this has created the deterioration of trust. But I think it's the kind of stuff I just mentioned earlier where uh, Citigroup is saying, we're going to monitor your swipe coming in the building. We're going to monitor monitor your keystrokes. At any point, we could be monitoring you. Why are we doing this? We are holding you accountable. That is disastrous. If trust is the key to productivity, and it is, by the way, that does not that does not create trust. Let me tell you something. Here's what happens. When leaders pull back trust, employees follow. Here's what happens. In the mind of the employee, they go, if you don't trust me, then it feels like you're trying to catch me doing something wrong or you're trying to fire me. That's what happens. When leaders act in a way that says, we don't trust you, so we're going to monitor you, the employees go, we don't trust you because we feel like you're looking for something to get rid of us. And we both begin to pull away from each other and productivity drops because people don't feel respected. They don't feel a sense of dignity. That's why trust is so vital. This is the Ken Coleman Show. All right, let's go to Tom, who joins us now in St. Paul, Minnesota. Tom, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, Ken. Thanks for having me. You bet. What's up? Hey, so uh, after surviving two other major layoffs, I was laid off yesterday from my job as a mortgage loan officer. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, soon after, I, I actually uh, um, searched you up, uh, Ken Coleman laid off, uh, just to find that you literally wrote an article yesterday about being laid off and yep. what to do. Um, so that's kind of miraculous. Um, <laughs> well, but, I'm glad you found uh, it. Yeah, uh, I was considering moving jobs regardless. Um but, and I've, you know, use your resume templates, but I've never read the proximity principle 
and I don't really know how to get you know valuable references for, for some of the more sales-oriented jobs that I was looking into. Mm-hmm. So I just want to know where to start. Sure. Well, what happened? Is this a function of just a numbers game because the mortgage industry has been hit pretty hard over the last six months? What happened? It, it, it seems like it. Um, at the same time, I know there were other, you know, higher performers, you know, than me that, that, that were also laid off. Um, so it's, yeah, they've been, they've been swimming up about 25% of our, of our department was cut. And, uh, yeah, here we okay. are. All right. Well, the reason I asked that, that's important because if higher performers than you were laid off, then this is just nothing more than budget. They're, they're cutting because their numbers are down as a whole. And this is pretty normal for the mortgage industry when things are the way they are. When when interest rates go up, let me tell you what happens. People get laid off in the, in the mortgage world. It's just the nature of the game. So from that standpoint, it doesn't make it feel any better, but it should keep you in a better mindset to go. I was just a, I was, I was the victim of the cycle in an industry that is very, very reliant on the cycle. So chin up and now you're going, all right, I don't want to be susceptible to interest rates anymore. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So now what do you mean by references for sales jobs? Uh, you feel like because you've been in the mortgage uh, industry that you don't have relevant references? Well, I mean, it's so, I, I, it was more of an inside sales job, you know, basically we were being fed leads and, you know, there were, there was some more outbound, you know, like uh, outbound calls and that kind of thing. Uh, but I remember even before I was, uh, before I was laid off, I looked at another, <laughs> another mortgage loan officer job actually. And they mentioned, uh, you know, you've got inside sales jobs this is more of an outside sales thing. And, um, it's just kind of made me realize that I mean, I have sales experience. I know I can yeah, do you well, do. you know, given the, given the opportunity. Yeah. At the same time, I, I just feel like I, I need some kind of, you know, way. And I, I don't have a college, I don't have a college degree and, and references have gotten me far where I've used them. So. Yeah. Okay. So bottom line is this, you know how to sell, whether it's inside sales, outside sales, it doesn't matter. So what you have to do is you got to fill your bucket up um, with opportunities that, in fact, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a little metaphor. You need two buckets. All right. And I want you to picture uh, big gallon buckets. All right. And and you got one on your left hand and one on your right hand, and you're carrying these every day. In one bucket, you've got to have a multitude. The bucket is full of prospective sales jobs with a mix of inside sales and outside sales. Okay. For this very reason, some people are going to say, well, we want you to have, uh, I think he's pulling up or he's putting his seatbelt on. I'm not sure what's happening there. Uh, but but you want to have multiple opportunities to where some people might say, you've never done outside sales before. We want someone with X amount of years experience. And so then you got to go, well, I need some inside sales opportunities in that bucket as well to look at. So we want a combination of both because there are going to be some people who go, we don't care that you don't have outside sales experience. Uh, we'd be happy to bring you in and train you. We have our own way of doing things. Come on, man. We'd love to have you. So I want you to have a mix of sales jobs. Do not limit yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I understand. Because here's the deal. Just because someone else said it doesn't mean everybody's going to say it. So I want you looking at every type of sales job that you can possibly look at that interests you. You understand? Like the, I like the company. I hear good things about the company. I like the product or the service. That's what I want you doing. In the other bucket, 
and this is why you called. In the other bucket, we want to fill your bucket with references and connections. They are both and. Okay? And I'm going to give you a copy of the Proximity Principle as my gift today. How's that sound? That's awesome. Thank you, Ken. Of course. You can get whatever format you want, audio, ebook, or hard copy. Christian will give that to you uh, in just a few moments when I put you on hold. But what you want to be doing here is saying, all right, I have been working in the mortgage industry for how many years? Uh, Two and a half years now. Two and a half years. And prior to that, what did you do? Uh, I worked various various retail jobs, so it's been sales all the way through. Great. So how many years have you been working total? Uh, my adult life, uh, let's say six years now. Six years. So you have six years of sales experience and six years of relationships within that experience. True or false? Uh, true. Great. So we start there. I mean, dude, go all the way back to year one. And if you have a sales manager that you can still find, get them to write you a reference. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Are you with me? I got to tell you, I'm distracted by the noise. Are you distracted by whatever's happening in your car? <laughs> we are on a 16-hour road trip, and that just came right in the midst. So, so a little, little distracted. Um, okay, good. I, I don't mind the noise as long as you're hearing me. You hearing me? You with me? I, okay. I, do, I do hear so you. So yeah. you've got six years of references where people can say Tom is gifted at sales in this way. Let's start there. These are recommendation quotes. Like, don't you got my resume guide? I don't tell you to just get a reference to go. Well, this was my manager at American Eagle back in college. No, you get the manager's name. The manager writes it in two or three sentence endorsement quote. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I've All right, done that. we start there. All right, now we start connecting with people that are in sales roles. Whether you go to church, you go to the golf club, you go to your kids' soccer games. I don't care. Wherever you are doing life, your antenna needs to go up to say, I am having conversations, and I'm trying to find out where people that I know work. Do they have positions in their company that are open in sales? This becomes a full-time job for you, constantly looking, constantly talking, constantly connecting. Constantly. All the time. Hey, where do you work? Be interested in other people. They'll be interested in you. Oh, where do you work? Over here. Well, I actually, I just got laid off. Oh, really? What happened? Well, you know, mortgage industry's been hit hard. I'm looking for a sales job. Hey, let me tell you something. My brother is a sales manager over at Company XYZ. I'd be happy to call my brother for you. That's how this happens, folks. It is a constant conversation. Now, you're not being obnoxious with this. But by being interested in other people, they become interested in you. People go, Ken, I don't know how to make a connection. Yeah, you do. Go show up somewhere and be the most interested person in the room. I didn't say the most interesting person in the room. I said be the most interested person in the room. Hey, what do you do? Oh, yeah, how long have you been doing that? Oh, really? What do you love about that? Oh, that's awesome. And if I'm all about the other person three to four questions in a row, most of the time, it's going to circle back to me. What do you do? Well, I was in the mortgage industry, been in for two and a half years, but our particular company got hit hard. Me and about 50 other high performers, we all got let go, kind of stinks. But you know what? I've 
I've done inside sales, done some outside sales, and I, I'm, I'm looking for a more stable industry because I love selling. Here's what, and that particular conversation may not lead to anything specifically, but if repeated often enough, that's how opportunities show up on our doorstep, and it's a game changer. I'm going to go on social media. I've been laid off. I got nothing to hide now. I'm going to say, hey, you know what? Silver lining, bittersweet day, lost my job in a massive layoff, but I'm really excited about the future. I love selling, been doing this. Any of you out there, uh, if you know of any companies that are hiring sales uh, and you, or you got a connection to somebody that works over in these companies, I'm looking, I'm interested sure would appreciate the help see people uh, people respond to that they want to help i've got to be helpable this is the ken coleman show thanks for listening to the ken coleman show for more you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on youtube you can also find ken across all social media by following at ken coleman